Welcome to From the Median, a daily report from the front line of the pro-life movement, discussing two worldviews that are driving our culture in opposite directions. From the Median asks, which side of the road are you on? What direction do you want our culture to go? Tune in as we plan the route that takes us back to the culture of life. And now your host, Molly Smith. Welcome back. I am Molly Smith, your host. I want to remind you all that our program is available for download. You can do so by going to our website from themedian.org. Listeners, as always, wonderful to have you with me. Thank you so much for joining. Um, Again, just a quick reminder, don't forget to spread our programs out. Go via, you know, send send a link to our podcast. You can actually also send a link via our website. But make sure you get this information out there. We do a lot of hard work finding Excellent, excellent guests to come on the show to spread the word of God. That's what we're about. We're about that and we're about, we are probably the only pro-life program such as this one in certainly in Ohio. So we're thrilled that you've joined us and please remember to keep spreading the news. Our guest right now, we've got, we've got an author joining us and I'm thrilled to have him with us and I'm thrilled that he's was able to take time out of his busy schedule to join us and talk about his recent book. It's called The Response of Marriage, Finding the Path Out of Reactivity. Dr. Donald Welsh is joining us. Dr. Welsh, the Welsh Family Therapy Institute was founded by Dr. Don Welsh, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist and a certified sex therapist with over 30 years of experience in the fields of mental health and relationship skills. Dr. Welsh founded the Center for Enriching Relationships in 2002, which currently operates 10 sites with 30 therapists and 50 university students in training. Amazing, absolutely amazing. The clients are throughout the San Diego, California area. Dr. Walsh oversees a partnership between CER and Point Loma Nazarene University to train and provide clinical hours to students in the profession and to speak at conferences, churches, retreats, and seminars throughout the United States. He holds a bachelor's degree and three master's degree and a doctor's degree. And he is here with us right now talking to us, which is wonderful. Welcome to the program, Dr. Don. Well, Molly, thank you for having me. What a joy it is to be with you. And I am a pro-lifer too. So oh, God. Pro-life. oh my goodness. We were created in his, in the womb and he 139 Psalm clearly articulates that, that we were created for life. Absolutely. So Absolutely. thank you for having me. Not at all. In fact, you know, we have a big conference every year in, in March and the, the, the theme this year is, is, um, uh, Genesis 127, which of course is, you know, how can we, how can we doubt who, who and what we should be when it says there right at the beginning of the word of God, he, he created us in his image and likeness, male and female, he created us. So, I mean, we can't, it, it couldn't get more clearer than that. I just, it always just sort of blows me away when people can't get it. But anyway, sometimes they don't. So, okay, you've got a, be- a wonderful new book of the response of marriage. Why did you write this book? Well, I wrote it because for all these years, I've noticed with couples that they have involuntary reactions like sighing, rolling of eyes, um, maybe even giggling, uh, turning the opposite direction without knowing they're doing it initially. And that reaction then puts into reaction quite a bit of fury between the couple. And I've seen that this was a, a great need for us to create an assessment and a book for how to help people once they realize that involuntary reaction has happened. 
Wow. As you're saying this, I'm thinking about my involuntary actions to all the things my wonderful <laughs> husband does. <laughs> we all have them. We oh, all my have goodness yes. gracious me. I, I, I am Irish. Uh, my, my background is Irish and, and, and Welsh and all, all kinds of European. Uh, but mainly my, from my mom's side, very, very Irish. And, you know, the Irish have this wonderful, horrible habit of uh, passive aggressiveness. And that's, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. So, so this is one of the things that we fought against. All my all our lives together, I recognize it, and you know, my husband doesn't. He, he lets me know when I'm being passive aggressive. So, <laughs> I actually come from Irish background too, because Welsh with a C, Welsh like yeah, W E L C H. Yeah. But yes, we all can do passive aggressive reactions toward one another. And really, when we think about it, God created the way that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. There's direct communication available to us all the time and so we download that into our marriages where direct communication rather than passive aggressive which all of us do you're not alone yeah can do without knowing yeah and that is very it's unhealthy for for me to be passive aggressive with my wife exactly and it is unhealthy for me to do the same thing and it, it's, it's sort of you want you look at it my mother was it was the was a master at it and and a beautiful beautiful wonderful saintly woman but she would always say i'm doing my passive aggressive thing again stop stop doing it stop doing it so it was so funny <laughs> She was, yeah. she was aware of it. So, yeah, so yes. she was also yes. very much aware of it. So, yeah. You know, um, you the, the, some of the things that, that I, I think I, I, I really like about what you've put together in your book, um, and that is so often you've, you've sort of highlighted different things. And as I'm going through this and looking at all the different areas that you've covered, um, it, it's, it's – creating a reaction in me which says that this is an excellent book an absolutely excellent book so we need to be able to get it out there again folks it's called the responsive marriage and it is by dr donald w welsh um i will make sure that you we put the link f- uh, to purchase it on our website so that you can get out there and get it and i think in any married couple in fact i would say even any couple or in any person reading it would be great young p- people getting ready for marriage or haven't yet found the right person this is a great it's great great uh, advice in this book. So I think we've all got to go get there and definitely get it and, 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 and read it. You, one of the things you say though, is that couples often confuse, you know, we're talking about a sort of conflict and how do we deal with it in, in a certain, you know, how, how do we make it easier to deal with that conflict? I think is, is, is where you were going with some of the questions that you, you pose. Um, what couples confuse present conflict with past wounds what what do you mean by that well molly many people i they believe that their past is in the past and it doesn't affect them today and others may believe that their past can affect them but they think they have dealt with it and it is now irrelevant but the truth is emotions never forget when our reactions to a present situation are out of proportion to the circumstances we are likely being triggered by the wounds from the past, which I think all of us experience. And this reactivity escalates conflict, especially when both the husband and wife are being triggered by past wounds. So one of the goals of this book is to train couples to recognize this reactivity, just like you said your mother, she recognized her passive aggressive. I think you indicated you recognize. Sometimes I recognize it, but my wife has helped me to recognize my passive aggressive. But one of the goals of this book is to train couples to recognize this reactivity, activity, identify its origin, 
and work together to reduce it so that they can repair quickly when conflicts erupts. Mm-hmm. And do, do you think it continues to, you, once you've dealt with it, is it always there in the background or do you think it's sort of once we've dealt with it, we, then we, we can actually self-monitor ourselves on that? Yes, there's lots of research in somatic medicine, um, lots of work in EMDR that I work with my patients that, that there are ways the brain is so um, malleable. And we can rewire our brains. We, we've all heard that. It's kind of since we realized our brains have this final growth to about 25 years of age in that area. And then throughout our life, it's more malleable than we thought years ago. And so when we become aware of it and practice different behaviors, like the, the Bible says, think on these things. When we practice God's way, then we actually can rewire our brains. It's the way God created us. So yes, to your question. Hmm, unbelievable. You know, honestly, Dr. Don, right now there is so much going on in the world, in the culture, in, 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 you know, just out there, particularly Western culture, where we have pretty well f- decided from the mainstream media perspective, I would say still, you know, many, many Christians don't believe this and many, many religions don't believe this, but it's, it's like, Marriage is something of the past, you know, oh, mm-hmm. it, it's gone. And, and not only, not only is the, the sort of the sacrament of marriage, um, something in the past in many instances, but it's also what is marriage? What does it mean? You know, so we, we've, we were redefining who can get married and why they can get married and all of this kind of stuff is all coming out there. Why is it d- dangerous to redefine marriage as anything other than how God designed it? Well, Molly, my view here is based on a presupposition that the concept of marriage was not invented or created by society, culture, or the government. Mm. But rather, I believe it was originally, as you just said, created and introduced by Almighty God. He therefore is the designer and owner of the concept and retains all rights and privileges to its definition and use. And in the book, I liken this presupposition to a software developer being the designer and owner of the software product they created. And when we as humans tinker with the design of marriage, we essentially steal God's property and violate the use agreement. Hmm. This will not turn out well for us. Hmm. Oh, that, that's, that's a great imagery to have in, in your mind when you think about this, because that is, I mean, sort of, that, that's the, the angst that I have inside me every time I hear that, you know, that, that marriage is being redefined or, you know, people who, who can and can't get married, all these kinds of things. I sort of go into this almost anxious, anxious mm. feeling inside me. It's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? It's like, oh my goodness gracious me. But, but you know, I guess that's exactly right. We, we've stolen somebody else's property here, you know. And, and Abs- should, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it doesn't, it doesn't go well and it will not no, go well. No, We're absolutely. already seeing it in our society, of course. It's, that's why we're so anxious about it, I think. Absolutely. There's a, an increasing blurring of the lines between the gender's roles, um, you know, between mm. who, who mm-hmm. are we? What are we supposed to be doing? I am, you know, I'm the mom and the wife in the, in the family and, and my husband's the dad and the father in the family. And, you know, and, and, and all it used to be so clear when my family was, you know, when my, my parents were growing up and when I was growing up, it's not anymore. What's happening here? Well, Molly, why are the lines between genders increasingly blurred? I, I think I think there are two dynamics at play here. The first harkens back to the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve were given choices, but with limits. We, we, we all know the story as Christians. They could eat from any tree except one. 
This limitation of choice caused frustration for them. So Eve took matters into her own hands and Adam let it happen. Hmm. The fact is we humans want lots of choice with no limits. Only two genders is too limiting for some. So the answer for them is to expand the choices. Now, that being said, I don't want to dismiss or ignore very real pain that some experience with gender dysphoria. I work with lots of people on a daily basis. It's a real condition that needs a compassionate response, not a dogmatic one. In my counseling practice, however, I work with clients who experience gender dysphoria, which I mentioned, and they need our support and help, not our judgment or condemnation. Nevertheless, there is an expand the choices and eliminate the limits type of mentality. Let me see that again. We're, we're kind of, not we, but there are those who expand the choices and eliminate, eliminate the limits type of mentality that some bring to the topic of gender that has contributed to the blurry lines we see today. The second dynamic at play is the very real abuse of power that women have experienced from some men throughout the ages. Let's face it. I'm a male. But some men don't represent masculinity in its original form, envisioned by God very well. They abuse their power. So it is any wonder that women want to get out from under that abusive power and be look more like men. I don't believe the answer to this dilemma is to create more genders or vilify the marriage relationship. I think if men, and I'll stop here, but I think if, if men can initiate efforts to align their masculinity to God's original design, and I talk about this in the very last portion of the book. So to go back to our masculinity, that God, God's original design, then women will respond with aligning their femininity with God's original design. Wow. Wow. Again, the book is called The Response of Marriage, Finding a Path Out of Reactivity. And I, it's by Dr. Donald Welsh. And uh, I will put the, you know, just go to the website and you'll have all the information up there on, on the website. In fact, uh, uh, Dr. Don, give, give people where they can go because if they don't have a chance to get to the website. Thank you. The easiest way is just Amazon.com. Okay. And The Response of Marriage. And then my name is with a, with a C. I, I know that Welsh, when you were talking about your Irish background, Molly, yeah. it might be with an SH. Some were and some aren't, but this is with a CH. And so it's just Welsh and the responsive of marriage in Amazon.com. Perfect. Perfect. So Thank you. not at all. Um, the difference, you know, if, if we, if, one of the things you say, you're following on for what you've just said about men being more responsive to, uh, you know, understanding what their current, you know, what their, the correct role is that they should be. And it helps women to be understand where their correct role should be. Then you, you also say that the, the greater, um, you suggest the greater a couple's differences, the more likely their marriage will succeed. That seems to be counterproductive. Why, why do you say that? That's, it's a great, it's, it's called complementarity, Molly, in mental health, where opposites attract. And I make the point in the book, Molly, that everyone loves variety. It's the spice of life. But mm-hmm. often, after we are married for a short while, we start to shun variety and try to force our spouse to be more like us. This is very common. The fact is that God put us with our spouse precisely because we are different. Mm -hmm. My wife's strengths, for example, help temper my weaknesses. We've already talked about a few of mine here. And you were going to talk about yours here. But my wife's strengths help temper my weaknesses and my strengths help temper her weaknesses or blind spots. The best business teams are composed of people who think differently. Henry Ford once said, if everyone is thinking alike, then someone isn't thinking. 
<laughs> I need, when you think about it, I need my wife to be different than me so that we can accomplish more together than if we were operating separately. And I hope my readers will start to embrace that idea as well. That's awesome because you know what? You are so correct. You, uh, you know, I have five children all married, all got their own families now. You know, they've watched, oh, yes. they've watched our children, you know, they've watched my husband and I, you know, grow up through our marriage. And, and mm-hmm. that's so true. They, everybody that so different. All of them, they are, they've married people who were so, and I often say just as well, you didn't listen to me because you found the person. If, if you'd listened to me, the probably I would have chosen totally the wrong person for them, but they, they, cho- <laughs> they they've, cho- they've chosen. They, and that is so true that, that you watch. And I often, my husband and I often pray together in the evenings and just say, thank you, God, for the, for the amazing gift of these children and, and their families, because that is very true. They're very, very different. Every single one of yes. them is different. And what, oh, yes. you know, what spice there is in life. You're absolutely sure when, you know, when we get them all together in the house and there's all these different characteristics and, and, uh, you know, characters and people. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's God at work if we just let it happen. I think anyway. I share with my university students, you know, before marriage opposites attract and after marriage opposites can attack. And the concept, the concept is that most relationships, unless we're, unless we're attentive to it, we will default to a business relationship. And that's when we try to change the other person. Yeah. Yeah. Very um, true. Very true indeed. Absolutely. You talk about there is risks that what are the, you, well, let me ask you it this way. There are damages and risks in unmanaged reactivity in marriage. What are they? Well, unmanaged reactivity erodes intimacy and trust. And it elongates conflict. Of course, intimacy and trust is everything about God. But I introduced the reader's molly in the book to the Welsh responsive cycle, we call it, which has two routes. The roots are the northern and southern. The northern route ends with repair. The southern route ends with despair. And this is in the book um, and in our assessment that we have for and included in the book. But the southern route is taken when one or both are triggered, reactivity starts, and no action is taken mm. to reduce or mitigate the reactivity. Because you, you asked earlier uh, about this idea of you know involuntary reaction, which all of us have them. It's learning how to reduce them, medicate them, mitigate them. But this causes the interaction to spiral out of control as it picks up speed if one is not managing them. So when we learn to become aware of reactivity as soon as it starts, we can take steps to manage it and shift the southern route to the northern route. I give an example of men will come in and I'm working with anger, sometimes with men. And over the years, I've seen this many times. I'll ask, when are you aware of your anger? And I've had a couple men who will say, Doc, you mean when I'm pulling my fist out of the drywall or somebody's face? And I said, let's start there. That's an ominous statement they make because they're not aware that their fists are tightening, their jaws tightening. Wow. They need to walk away and be, become more aware of their body giving them signals. And, and hopefully it's not that drastic with, with a couple, um, you know, a male and woman and a male and a female in a marriage. 
But when we become aware of them, we can manage them in better ways. Your mother kind of said that when she said, oh, I think you said, here, here I go with my past. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so she was exactly. somewhat aware of it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly right. Two, uh, two questions that I want to ask sort of back to back of, of each other. I'm going to do them both together because I think it's very, very um uh, important that we get this out there. It's it's destroying. I think it's destroying marriage on a, on a on a massive uh, scale. And one of this is premarital sex or living together. How does this impede relationship development? And secondly, why you say in the book that Satan hates marital sex? It's two parts of that same question, sort of thing. Yeah. Well, God. It's premarital sex because it it flies in the face of what he meant for a monogamous Mm -hmm. relationship that creates depth to it. So does premarital sex or living together impede? Well, numerous studies have been conducted on this topic, and these studies have all concluded, these are secular studies, that a couple who cohabitates before marriage has a greater chance of divorcing after marriage. So, for example, Molly, a 2019 study found the odds for divorce to be 1.31 times higher wow. uh, for for women in that. Wow. Um, and so it's really quite profound when you think about this, that uh, we, we have uh, in us between 1980 and 2022, the percentage of households headed by a married couple has declined from nearly 61% to just under 47%. Oh, my goodness. And we believe in the research it's showing the cohabitation is leading the way in this. Hmm. Um, Wow. Wow. So, of course, God hates this. I mean, this is just destroying, absolutely destroying, you know, the, the sacrament of marriage. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is. And we don't realize, some people don't realize when they're cohabitating and having sexual intercourse, orgasm and all, that actually there are bonding neurons that take place. Uh, vasopressin and oxytocin are two. It's in all the textbooks of uh, psychology that I teach on a regular basis. It talks about how when you bond with this person and then that doesn't work out and then you go to another person and bond pretty soon it's very difficult for you to bond with anyone and not even to mention a monogamous marriage so it's it's very unhealthy for us to engage in that some people will choose if they're in the middle of um uh living together that they will choose to uh stop living together uh and and be be separate from each other until they and honor God. And it's amazing. I've seen couples, what can happen to their relationship and how it blossoms. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, it's, it's great to have you, have you actually point this out from a, from a, you know, from a, 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 a perspective of, of knowledge and bringing all those statistics together so that people can actually see this in young, particularly young couples. I mean, it's more and more and more young couples are, are, are uh, premarital sexes yes. living together. It's just, it's, it's quite destroying. It really is. Final question for you. Um, and, and I, I want to sort of, I want to sort of somehow end on a, on a positive. Um, what do you say to someone who believes that there is no hope for their marriage? There is always hope for every marriage. In fact, God is the eternal optimist with the only one who has the power to follow through on it. And he He actually wants you to have a lasting, healthy relationship. 
Um, I certainly understand this. I've seen it hundreds of times on the first day a couple enters my counseling office, Molly, and announces they are ready for divorce. It's devastating. But I've always seen many of these same couples transform their nearly deceased marriages into stunningly beautiful unions. It's never easy. There is lots of work involved and lots of Jesus's restorative power needed. But I've witnessed firsthand how the principles and practices I lay out in the book have brought healing and wholeness to seemingly hopeless marriages. And the only way I can explain this, as I conclude, I know the only way I can explain this is to point to the God of all hope who is described in Romans 4.17 as giving life to the dead and calling things into existence that did not, that do not exist. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful, because that's so true. That's what it is. My relationship with my husband, your relationship with you, it never existed. It's the first time in the history of the world since the beginning of time. That's a beautiful thing yes. to remember. That's a yes. beautiful thing to remember. Oh, my goodness. this is we, Folks, you've got to read this book. It's The Response of Marriage, Finding the Path Out of Reactivity, and it's by Dr. Don Welsh, W-E-L-C-H. Remember that, W-E-L-C-H. Go to Amazon. You can pick it up there. You can also go onto our website, and, and we'll give you a link to, to be able to purchase it as well. Keep up the good – keep writing these books. Oh, my gosh. This is amazing. Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Don. Really, really appreciate Holly. it. Yeah. Molly, thank you. God bless and have a wonderful day. Thank Same you so to you. Much. Same to you. Bye-bye. Thank you all for joining me this evening. As I say goodnight and God bless each and every one of you, I'd like to close with the words of the Holocaust survivor Elie Wiesel. There may be times when we are powerless to prevent injustice, but there must never be a time when we fail to protest. From the Median is listener supported. Visit our website, fromthemedian.org, for further information or to make a donation to continue to make this radio program possible. Email us, radionews at fromthemedian.org or call 440-668-4049. Through our fromthemedian.org website, you can download this or previous programs for your listening pleasure or sign up to receive our weekly preview of upcoming guest interviews. Tune in every weeknight at the same time to listen to another great interview on From the Median as we plan the route that takes us back to the culture of life. This program has been sponsored by Cleveland Right to Life and is responsible for its content.